Welcome to House Party, a podcast where real estate, news, and pop culture collide, coming straight to you from the editors of Realtor.com. I'm Natalie Way. And I'm Rachel Stoltz. And it's a girls episode. Just the ladies. (laughs) Eric is getting back from vacation, uh, settling back in. And so he will be with us next episode. But this week, it's just the two of us. And we are going to jump in with something that we're all kind of familiar of having house guests home uh, over to our houses. Sometimes they were at their welcome. Sometimes they're great. Uh, Rachel, you did a story on, or you edited a story about some of the worst house guest behavior. Well, let me start by asking how, you, how often have you hosted house guests? The last one I hosted was my brother. He came to visit in like end of June, I think it was, okay. uh, this summer. And otherwise, we don't host that many people to stay stay over at our place, surprisingly. All of our California friends have not made their way over to see – no, I'm kidding. (laughs) Gotcha. Um, Yeah, not not very frequently. Have you hosted a friend before? Um, What do you mean? How is that different? Um, Instead of family, have you hosted a friend? Oh, uh, yes, I have. Okay. Yeah, my best friend came to stay with us. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to call anybody out, but – um, between your brother or your family members and your friends, who makes for a better house guest? Um, ooh, that's so hard. I can't. That's like choosing your favorite child. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you can. You can. You know what? No, I'm gonna say. Um, I'm gonna say my my my. I mean my. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I had to Spin rank my house guest, I, I, I can't rank my house guest. What are we doing? Tell us about the story. <laughs> well, uh, I won't put you on the spot, although I totally already did. Um, but yes, this story uh, was based on a survey by the furniture company Joybird. And it took a look at people who have reported having bad house guests in the past. Apparently, 37% of all the respondents reported having had a bad house guest at some point or another. Hmm. But a majority of those surveyed said the worst offenders were their friends. So not their family, not their in-laws, which everybody, you know, you loves to complain about is actually the friends. And the reason for that, um, the, the folks at Joybird say it's actually not that surprising. It's because friends often feel a little bit more comfortable and relaxed in the company of one another, so they don't feel as much of a need maybe to make an effort uh, to mm, help out, to pick up after themselves, things like that. That makes sense. I mean, when my mom stays with us, she'll, like, do dishes. Yeah. She, my dad is changing light bulbs. I mean, friends are courteous too, but I think if you – yeah, I think family might feel more inclined to just help out with those things just because they're there. Um, that's interesting yeah. though. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. And then they did a deeper dive on um, the specific behaviors that really uh, rubbed people the wrong way. And I'm going to quiz you. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Hang on. We love a quiz. So maybe I'll just leave this open-ended. What do you think was the number one behavior that people griped about their house guests? Um. I'm going to say something that has to do with, like, bathroom, like, like leaving the toilet seat up or, uh, you know, hair in the shower or something like that. You're close. They didn't get that specific with it. Um, it was just being messy. So cleanliness okay. was the number one 
complaints. Basically, if you're crashing on the couch or sleeping in a guest bedroom, it's just important to clean up after yourself. So what are some of the other behaviors? I'm curious. Well, what do you think was on the list? (laughs) Right. This is a quiz. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's a test, really. (laughs) Okay. So we already got being messy, uh, like, like waking up too early or too late or like, like disrupting the schedule, the flow. Cause that's kind of, you know, when you have someone staying with you, you feel like someone else is in your space and it's, totally. it can interrupt the flow. Yeah. That in general was one of the complaints is just, um, expecting or asking your host to change their lifestyle for you. So that would, I think, fall in under that. Um, asking your host to stock up on gluten-free everything or kale <laughs> for your, the morning smoothie. Um, My best friend did that. Although Really? She, she asked you to do that? She did not ask me to do it. She was like, we're going to go to Whole Foods right when I get there. We're going to buy some gluten-free snacks. <laughs> <laughs> well, but she paid and she picked them out. So it's a bit different. That's but, fair. Yeah. I yeah. think that's fair. Um, yeah. One of the big complaints was people said that um, – Sometimes they've been asked to put their dog or cat in a kennel to <gasps> accommodate, no. you know, for if the guest had an allergy or something like that. And 41% of the people in the survey said they were unwilling to do this, even if the guest had an allergy. Wow. I get that. Like, that makes me sad. And I would be, I, I would be ready. I find that incredibly rude. Yeah. I think that's pretty rude. But if, it's like me or the dog, right? Like, but like, stay somewhere else, right? True, true. Yeah, unless they can't afford it, I don't know. There's like, but then they're expecting those... you to pay to kennel your pet for their In that visit. Situation, I would at least expect them to contribute some, either pay for the kennel, the kid, the the kid. Oh my god, <laughs> to pay for the dog to be in the kennel, or to at least shoulder some of the some of the payment. I just can't. That. I can't even. <laughs> I, guess I mean, I, said I would it. not be. I would not be pleased if someone asked me to do that with my dog. Um, so yeah, that was another big complaint was just expecting your host to adapt, um, or yes, guests expecting the host to adapt to their lifestyle, not the other way around. Have you hosted any guests at your place? Because I know you have a two bedroom. Uh, I have. <laughs> Thanks, thanks for calling that out. <laughs> uh, it's fancy. <laughs> uh, that second bedroom is mostly used for storage, let me tell you. Um, nice. Yes, I have had, you know, I've had friends and family come stay. Family stayed for quite a bit of time. Um, I've had friends stay for, you know, maybe like one night at a time. I don't, haven't done a whole lot of long-term visits, um, at least not mm-hmm. in many years. Uh, nobody comes to visit me either. So all all you East Coast people come out. I'll come to visit you. Um, you, We'll go to your place for the (laughs) (laughs) off-site. We always say like, oh, we'll go to this place for the off-site. We'll go to Rachel's for the (laughs) off-site. My two-bedroom apartment, yeah. Um, (laughs) Sounds like a good plan. You know what would be a really cool place to host an off-site? Where? This Wyoming ranch that Kanye West just bought. Nice transition. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Kanye West just purchased, reportedly just purchased a $14 million uh, ranch in Wyoming. It's just outside of Cody, Wyoming, which has a population of 10,000. Um, my husband did just buy a ranch there. So it's a 
pretty remote area, not a lot going on. He actually recorded a lot of his latest album um, and his forthcoming album up in Wyoming. Um, They stayed in some like super fancy hotel and he recorded, he worked on his album up there. So it's kind of become this escape for Kanye and his family. And it only makes sense that he put money on land. Um, It's 9,000 acres of land. So it's a huge property. Um, It's called Monster Lake Ranch. Uh, And it's called that because there's a huge, there's, there's a species of fish called monster trout that are in the freshwater lakes on the property. The ranch has two homes, eight cabins, as well as a restaurant, event center, several barns, and horse corrals. And there's a saloon as well. I don't think we mentioned that in the piece, but I read that somewhere else. So it's kind of like its own little dude ranch functioning town. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you think that he's going to host people there? I know that he's known for throwing parties. Um, But if he's going here to have some – you know, privacy and seclusion. Was he? Is he just going to go to the saloon by himself and have <laughs> a drink? I could definitely see this as a place where he, you know, builds it out to be a place for people to come. Um, you know, he was building those domes that for for um, low low income Star Wars style housing units mm-hmm. uh, that were recently knocked down. Actually, did you see that? Yeah, article? they're gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah um because the city was like you have to take those down and so like there was an aerial picture they are gone um so maybe he's building those on the ranch building Um, his own kanye land maybe like his own commune like i don't know wow his own cult you know who knows what he's gonna do honestly perhaps it'll become the new headquarters of yeezy (laughs) could be a million things we never know what kanye is really up to we really don't, but we do know that he did, in fact, purchase this place, um, and he has plenty of room to build his little empire. There was a quote um, at the end of this piece that I thought was kind of interesting. It's from a real estate agent that we talked to. And he said, I'm sure we can agree that Kanye didn't have the word luxury on his mind when he decided to make an offer, Ross says. If I had to guess, the words escape or privacy would be closer to his thoughts. If society had driven you mad, this is the place to go. Yeah, I really liked that last part. If society has driven you mad, this is the place to go. Even my sisters, everyone, we've had this dream of getting a ranch and just spending our summers there and getting away. Do you think that Kanye's ranch has a formal dining room? Yeah, I do because he has (laughs) – yeah, I know know you're hinting at something. You're hinting at the next story that we're going to talk about. Kanye is not a millennial. No, Kanye is not a millennial. And speaking of millennials, one of the most popular stories that um, was on our site this last – since we last spoke with you is um, about the home upgrades that millennials do not care about. It's really a a story for people who are selling their homes who might be considering remodeling or – thinking that they have to make certain upgrades they're very concerned with what millennials are doing in the real estate space and so these- well, yeah and millennials are predicted i think to be the largest group of home buyers over the next couple of years so right 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 um, it's They've a already big started. market that sellers should be paying attention to 
Totally, exactly. So these are some of the things that sellers should be paying attention to that millennials couldn't care less about. Um, over the top landscaping. We don't like lawnmowers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some do. And this is, you know, this is a generalization. It's not speaking, you know, everyone has their own tastes and their own likes. Um, but as a whole, do you? Do you're, I like you're lawns? a millennial? Right? Are you a millennial? I'm on the cusp. I think um it depends on who you ask, I think. You have big millennial energy to me. <laughs> like BME. <laughs> like that's a and it's a good thing. It's like a good good thing. I've got BME. Energy. All right. <laughs> anyway. Um how do okay. you feel about landscaping so, yes. and lawnmowers? <laughs> I like the idea of landscaping without a ton of maintenance, um, choosing plants. I mean, I kill everything. I'm not good at keeping plants alive. Uh, however, when I have a property, I plan on being more diligent with that. Um, but it would be nice to have some low maintenance plants. I think this was also focusing on the dichotomy between indoor plants and outdoor plants and, you know, millennials obsession with like cultivating indoor jungles. Um, that's kind of where their focus is and maybe the outdoor isn't as much in the forefront of their priorities for their spaces. Uh, but yeah, that's that's just one of the things that millennials are like, eh, take it or leave it. Um, another one is formal dining rooms. This makes sense, right? Um, I think so. I think formal dining rooms in general have been on the way out for a while, although some will, people will argue that they're making a comeback. Um mm. The reason being that our open floor plans, um, they just weren't necessary and that we were trying to bring people together and kind of all the, the same space. But right. I've also heard people say that as that they kind of miss them now that they're gone, you sort of miss having a designated spot for entertaining Um if you want people to be away from like the mess in the kitchen, things like that, that mm -hmm. people are saying that there's a value in formal dining rooms again. I would have to say that I would love a formal dining room. Um, yeah. I, I love the idea of having like a formal place that you go and sit down together. And that's, that feels, it feels kind of like a ritual. It's, it feels a bit more, you know, like you're like you're, you're, like you're slowing down, you're taking time, and you're going to the dining room. And would um, you eat it, every meal in your formal dining room, or just save it for special occasions? I mean, my family was really big on like sitting down at the dinner table together, like pretty much every weekday night when we could. That's mm -hmm. um, I mean, we were I was very fortunate to be able to do that, um, and so I think I just grew up and was instilled with that like like how special that is so but but it, I don't think it would be every meal I think I'd have to be a little realistic mm -hmm. uh not every meal is you're not going to be able to get everyone to sit down at the same time um some meals have to be done on the fly some meals are going to be done in front of the tv like it's just it is what it is and you can't hold yourself <laughs> To such a high standard. It is what it, it is, is what Natalie. It is. Our favorite <laughs> phrase, it is what it is. Um, yeah, I just – I think I love the idea of a formal dining room and I also don't think it should be held to this – you shouldn't feel stressed that you're like not using your dining room or feel stressed 
when your family isn't sitting down together. Like it should, you know, it should be an option for you. But Mm -hmm. if you have to eat in front of the TV or in your bedroom, Eric shudders. (laughs) Um, That's fine. Yeah. How do you feel? I feel similarly. Um, Growing up, I didn't, we didn't have a formal dining room. We just had kind of a, you know, a breakfast nook area and Mm -hmm. um, not every meal was had at the table. I mean, most were, but my dad traveled a lot for work and so he'd be Mm -hmm. gone. It wasn't like kind of the idyllic um, scene. Like the 50s, like everyone sitting down. Yeah, totally. Yeah. um, But you, but you like the, so you said that you'd like the idea of a formal dining room. I I think I do maybe because I didn't grow up with one. Um, And I like the idea of entertaining and having kind of a separate space that's special for that. Uh, I don't yeah, know that I'd have every point. meal in there, but it would be nice to have when I had people over um, to be able to host in there. But uh, it wouldn't top the priority list for me if I were house hunting, and I wouldn't turn a house down because it didn't have a formal dining room. But yeah, I also I agree. Um, I see it kind of more as a perk than something that I could care less about. Uh, number three is a designated floor plan. Um, mm. Yeah, the opposite of the open floor plan. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, uh, I'm gonna take a stand on number four. Oh yeah, okay. So number four is brand new carpeting. Um, millennials love their hardwood floors, <laughs> or pergo, yeah. or concrete, or something that's just not carpet. Millennials hate carpet, according to our experts. I don't. How do you do? You take offense. <laughs> I don't take offense. Like I get carpet gets gross and, uh, you know, starts to look dingy and old and you got to replace it. And it's a, it's a whole thing. Yeah. But there's also something really nice about, you know, getting out of bed and putting your feet on a carpeted floor. Also walking on carpet. If you're in a two story place, it's that extra cushion that, you know, is kind of noise reducing. Good point. So, I don't know. I just – I don't think carpet is the devil, and I think that we've been sort of taught to think that carpet is the devil for the past couple of decades, but I don't know. Carpet is the devil in so many people's <laughs> minds. Like, I agree that we shouldn't call carpet the devil because okay. I definitely see the benefit of it, especially in a multi-story house. Like, yeah stomping i'd say maybe the compromise is having carpet in the bedrooms and hardwood everywhere else and a lot of people do do that yeah it's like the living rooms the living or the 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 sleeping personal spaces get carpet the more public areas get hardwood with rugs i think that's what i would prefer so if you disagree or agree with any of these, we'd love to hear about it. You can email us, podcast at realtor.com. Are you a millennial who loves over-the-top landscaping? Um, let us do know. Do you like carpet? Do you love – do you think carpet is the best thing ever and you want to carpet the, the ceiling of your house? <laughs> let us know. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, I can tell you about one feature that I would very much care about as a millennial having in my new home. What is that? <laughs> what is it's that a feature? subterranean scuba tunnel. You love a water feature. I do love a water feature. That is very true. You love a hot tub. You love like a pool or like a, like a, you love a waterfall, right? 
Yeah, like a koi pond. It'd be cool. I'm down mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, I can find that in this week's most unique home, I would dare to say. Mm-hmm, it is sure. an 11.8 million mega mansion in Kansas with subterranean scuba tunnels. When we talk about real estate porn, this is what we're talking about because yeah. this like you have to ch- I'm not saying this just to like just to get like clicks or whatever like Bait you. you have to check out these photos. Um this this it's subterranean tunnel situation in this house is crazy. Um it, the house was built in 1993, right? Yes, correct. And then sometime during while owning it, the owner started building a series of water-filled tunnels that extended below the house into the mountain and around the property. Um, and they could be accessed by like different points in the house, not just like one pool or whatever. Yes, accessed by a series of pop-up holes and grottos that divers can enter and exit um, around the property. There's a pop-up hole in the main residence that you can see and then there's also a glass tile so you can like that are clear so you can see below you can see the actual tunnel just say hello to your friend who's like <laughs> swimming through the tunnel the interior of this house is very um castle like very ornate ornate dark wood yeah this the owner went all out it with is. this place and it's almost it, it's almost like a a fun house it's it's wild it's very cool these pictures are crazy there's a 20-foot waterfall a hot tub a steam room and a wet bar and it's decorated with treasure chests faux fossils and exotic fish you can scuba dive so it's kind of like going to a resort for me this is probably the craziest house i've seen on realtor.com really i think it might be that's saying a lot yeah this was owned by dennis langley um, who worked in the natural gas business and was a scuba enthusiast. So he obviously made his money in the natural gas business. Uh, and then he's like, I want to scuba dive on my property all the time. <laughs> and it's in Kansas, no less. Yeah. What I, like the most kind of random location. I'm, although I don't know where I would expect a house with subterranean scuba tunnels, but certainly wasn't in Kansas. I mean, he clearly – like, you can clearly get a lot of property, get a lot for your money in Kansas, so mm-hmm. – It's impressive. It's very impressive. Again, you got to see it to believe it, and if you're interested in doing so, just head on over to realtor.com slash news. Um, okay, let's move on to winners and losers. This is our segment at the end of the episode where we discuss celebrities and the real estate that they bought, rented, sold – and we pick one winner, one loser. Um, it's based on the deals that they made or the money that they lost. So let's start with our loser. Uh, we're going to say sorry, strike three to Alex Rodriguez, A-Rod, who sold his Los Angeles home for a $400,000 loss last week. Um I mean, he's a winner by any other standard. He is engaged to J-Lo. He is a world-famous baseball player, um, broadcaster. Broadcaster. 
insanely wealthy person. Yeah. Seems to be very happy. <laughs> um, He's doing okay. But how about even like when you do the wedding, I mean, how are you going to dance? You can't. You, I, she's Jennifer Lopez. That's a great point. And that can be very intimidating, among other things, to do <laughs> yeah. in front of her. But, um, you know, she's a great dancer. She's also a great teacher. Yeah. I'm just a terrible student. I mean, but, our, but not our, because of effort. It's just I can't dance. Uh, you really just can't dance. I, well, it, it, it's amazing what a vodka soda can do. <laughs> um, give me two of those. I start yeah. thinking then I can dance. Then you start thinking you can dance. <laughs> okay, so he sold this house in the Hollywood Hills for four point four million dollars. That's what the deal went for. Um, he bought the home from Meryl Streep in 2014 for $4.8 million. So he didn't get his price, uh, and he had actually originally listed it for $6.5 million in November 2018. He, he then dropped the price um, in March and finally found a buyer um, last week, or the deal went through, um, for a little bit less than he bought it for. Too bad. I mean, the house is gorgeous, though. It's a four-bedroom, three-and-a-half-bath home. It's ultra-modern. Um, it has a pretty private backyard with a fire pit, uh, pool, big big palm trees. Um, what do you think of this place, Rachel? It's not exactly my taste, but I certainly wouldn't turn it down. Um, it is, like you said, it, it's, it's a mid-century modern home that has Hollywood glamour, I guess. It's not just that he's a loser that he lost a little bit on the sale but he priced it so high a year ago at 6.5 million and has been forced to drop it basically got forced to drop the price two million dollars yeah it's a it's a 3700 square foot place so 6.5 mil for 3700 square feet i mean yeah it's i agree like that's a lot of money for a place that is nice but not anything super special yeah, it's uh, relatively modest, I think. The kitchen is nothing to brag about. I mean, it's it's what you would expect from a typical, like, Hollywood Hills place. There's, you know, panoramic views of the city um, from the bedroom, a cool, sleek pool outside with lounge chairs, um, floor-to-ceiling windows. So it's a very sexy house, but uh, might have been a little ambitious with that first listing price. That's for sure. Yeah, by a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. I know. So, yeah, I would say it's a pretty big loss for him. I mean, I, I know they're doing fine, and they have other properties. Um, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say they just sold another property, their New York place, that, that yeah. crazy, like, $15.75 million um, condo in New York. Right. They do have one that they bought in February. It's a $6.6 million beachfront home in Malibu. So they're not homeless, <laughs> even though they're mm -hmm. selling off real estate. I know. Uh, it's like, how they're doing okay, they but <laughs> it still blows my mind that basically took a $2 million. It wasn't a $2 million loss, but it's $2 million less than he wanted for it so right 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 yeah um speaking of mind-blowing uh our winner is alicia keys hmm. singer alicia keys um singer songwriter and she is the person who the mysterious person who purchased the 220.8 million dollar house the razor house mm -hmm. in san diego this so we didn't know who the the buyer was Correct. She is rumored to be 
the buyer, according to the Wall Street Journal. And she bought this place. It's in La Jolla in San Diego. Um, it's called the Razor House because it's the architecture goes into like a point on one side. Um, looks like a razor. <laughs> um, it's ultra modern. Truly mind blowing. Yeah, it's a crazy house. It's a it's over ten thousand square feet. Um, it's been featured in some television commercials, including one for Visa Black Card. I knew that Alicia Keys was uber successful. Like everyone knows her A lister. I didn't know that she was like two like that tw- twenty point eight million dollar real estate successful. Like I mean, true. Damn. But I also am not too familiar with her personal life. But she's married to hip hop producer Swizz Beats. Yeah. Am I saying that right? You are. You are, Thanks. Grandma. Um, I know. <laughs> Not a millennial now. <laughs> I just Appears realized I just realized how she has so much money. How? She, she was a, a coach on The Voice. On The Voice. Yeah. yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Alicia Keys! I'm ready for my second consecutive win oh, with you. That is Alicia Keys, man, I mean, are you kidding me? The world is a better place with this woman in it. I want to be on her team. Yes, Kelly! That's, I mean, she... But it's still a lot of money. It's still a lot still... of money. No denying. But I... think think of Adam Levine. Like, he... Yeah. Didn't he sell, like, $35 million worth of real estate in months Do you think Alicia Keys has the same star power as Adam Levine, though? I do. Yeah, okay. I do. I definitely do. I think they're definitely on the same level. In I terms mean, of... one of them has performed at the Super Bowl. Yeah. Did Alicia, but... wait, did Alicia Keys also do? I don't know, but I could. She's she is that caliber of artist. I would say. Oh, she's singing she, the national she... anthem. Oh, okay, she's ne- but she's never done the halftime show. I don't think so. I was. I don't think she's done it solo. I was trying to see if maybe she joined somebody at some point. Oh. Yeah, she's never just for clarification, she's never performed at the Super Bowl halftime show. So she Adam Levine has her beat there, but they're they're both coaches on the voice and they definitely have the same taste in luxury real estate, that's for sure. Um, okay, well that is the end of our episode. If you would like to check out any of the stories we discussed today, you can go to realtor.com slash news. You can get in touch with us. Email us at podcast at realtor.com. If you liked what you heard today, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. And if you have a bit of extra time, write us a review. Uh, as we say each week, we're not lying to you. We promise that these things help people. They help with our discoverability on iTunes so people can find us. Um, or I guess Apple Podcasts on iTunes. We are on Facebook. We'd love if you gave us a follow there. You can find us at House Party Pod. We're also on Twitter at House Party Pod and on Instagram at House Party Pod. Um, and yeah, go to our Facebook. That's where most of our conversation is happening, um, where we are posting the stories that we talk about and uh, asking questions and just kind of communicating with our listeners we'd love to hear from you there um i would like to say that my mother has since updated her rating of us to five stars she she did she did so now i i appreciate that mom Mom. we have you know every every rating counts thank you again for tuning in and we will catch you later bye bye